welcome to the Unlucky Friday. Why, why are you pulling that face at me, what Ben? Was that? Oh, hello. Hello. <laughs> I was just just trying to put a bit of energy. Hello, and welcome to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. You are joined by me, your positive and pleasant host, Josh Hartley, and Ben, who shits on everything. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I thought you said it was going to be PG, and that's a swear right out the gate. Well, we we, we allow that one. <laughs> We're also joined on this Independence Day by Callum Taylor. We are so professional this episode. Callum Taylor of Twisted Bit Games. Yes. Hello, Callum. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm back from Gen Con. My jet lag's away. And I'm excited to talk about whatever you guys are in the mood to to talk about, whether that's games, conventions, or... we've We've got plenty to chat to you about. One, being a game designer... Two, having just been to get, uh, Gen Con. But three, you haven't just came straight from Gen Con. I believe you've actually returned back to Scotland from uh, the Republic of Korea. Yes, uh, the Republic. Uh, Not the People's Gen- Republic. The, yeah. The, the... It's an important <laughs> distinction to make. <laughs> well, that's its official title, is the Republic of but Korea. But it is an important oh, distinction very, to make. Very. Because, because the My... to- I hear the tone's quite different in the two countries. It's the accent. They've got a very different voice when they're speaking, you know. Is it a bit like the north and south of England? It's almost like a different language, actually. If you speak some oh, really? some Korean, actually... when you hear a North Korean speaking, there'll be words you're just, what? What was that? More like Scotland and England. Then. Exactly, exactly. That, like. that shouldn't be surprising, right? Because those countries have been isolated from each other for... 60 years? Coming up... Se- yeah, well, coming up 70 years, isn't it? Or what, when was the Korean War? Was it... 19, 1955. So that's what. There we go, yeah. So I, I suppose it shouldn't be too shocking that, you know, culturally they've grown to be quite different oh, that's what i've heard in the news anyway <laughs> i don't know the I don't news know. here is so different from the news there like the news really? here like i would get texts from my mum when i was living in korea telling me about the latest like dangerous missile news whereas in korea itself no one cares like it's like if your neighbor th- it's like if your neighbor screams at you he's gonna burn your house down every day for the first like year you might be worried but if he's been doing it for 50 years, you're not really going to really pay as much attention. It's a bit like um, spoilers for a show that's been out for like two years now. There, there's an episode of Game of Thrones mm. where the Freys have got this guy's nephew as a hostage. And what they're doing every day during the siege is taking him up to a gals and go, we're going to kill him. And the guy's just like, get on with it then. <laughs> and they never do. Bit like that. <laughs> we're going to nuke you. All right. <laughs> just you, you, you do you. <laughs> like, the, the threats start to lose their impetus after so many times. I think. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Just becomes background noise after a while. Yeah. But, uh, so, so uh, back to the, the back free, to gaming. Back oh, to yeah. yeah. Back to what this entire podcast is actually about. So. Uh, Callum, uh, first of all, I suppose, then, you, you are game designer for Twisted Bit Games. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you've been working on lately and uh, where we where we can expect to see you and your uh, fantastic games in the near future? Well, for now, it's just a fantastic, I hope, game. Uh, it's my first game, Motora, which I actually started developing while I was living in Korea. Uh, Korea's got quite a big board game cafe culture, and that got me playing more games but when I was playing games, I had kind of like some issues with different games. Like I'd play a game and think, oh, that was really fun. But I wish I could do this. So I set out yeah. to make the game I would want to play. Um, and two and a half coming up on three years later, 
I was at Gen Con showing it off this year, albeit Tabletop Scotland Spiel this year, and Motora's coming to Kickstarter in October. Excellent. Excellent. So what what is Motora? Motora is <laughs> is a worker placement resource management game with dice combat and capture the flag win conditions. Sold. See, like, but so... yeah, you, you, you're probably sold at the worker placement resource nah, management. I was yeah. like, okay, and then it was like combat and capture the flag. Like, I'm in. <laughs> so actually, I, I I always planned on self-publishing, but out of curiosity, while I was at Gen Con, I had a meeting with some different publishers. And the guys from Rio Grande Games came in, and they said, "We're really curious because it was like an event where all the publishers kind of saw like your details before they came in. They're like, we're really curious how you've managed to put." Dice combat, resource management, and worker placement all in the same game. And then I went through it with them, and they said, like, well, it looks good, but they don't do games with that much combat in it. So it was a hard pass from them. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's almost exclusively like worker placement type Euro stuff game. they do, isn't it? Sorry, Ian McAllister of yeah. the Giant Brain for uttering that phrase, but yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, well, fantastic. So the Kickstarter uh, is launching in October. Around uh, so mid-October is kind of the Mid-October, right. To coincide with a certain German uh, well, the idea game is, convention. I've been, <laughs> I've been sitting paranoidly looking at Kickstarters for the last two years. And one thing that you notice and people always say is that there's a slump in the middle where people aren't really, as, aren't really paying attention. So that's yeah. when I'm going to spiel. After the hopefully big boost at the start and just in that middle zone where like people maybe are like on the fence about backing and that's just a nice big push just to shore it up a bit in that that uh mid campaign slump like you say it's kind of what uh mark did with uh wreck and ruin yeah Uh, he 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 timed his uh third attempt at kickstarter so that right in the middle of it was uk games expo and i think that worked really well for him yeah so i think that's quite a smart idea as well that you've got there callum so uh uk games expo is huge spiels spiels something like thirty thousand people and you that, you that many eyes in person, the amount you'd pay in advertising to get the similar amount of views on something is ridiculous. Well, absolutely, yeah. And, and that's it, it's an absolutely unfathomable size deal <laughs> as well. A, it's a funny old thing, isn't it? Because everyone over the past 10 years or so has waxed and lyrical about how technology and computers are the future. And here we are, promoting analog games at a good old-fashioned convention and there's no substitute for it yeah i think it's like as well a game i couldn't tell you the last game i saw on the side of a board game geek advertisement but i could tell you everything i touched at gen con there we are i mean and that's it there's there's nothing quite like actually playing the game itself well yeah that's the biggest point the 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 advertising on the websites because you switch on a computer and you're immediately bombarded with information now, aren't you? Mm. And it's, but it's like you say, when you when you have an experience at a convention, it's not just that you've seen that, uh, you, you've you've touched it, um, and you've got an idea of, of how it works. So you've it, had it, someone teach you how to play it, yeah. uh, possibly even the designer as well. If you're really weird, you've maybe smelled it as well. I don't think that's right. We've talked. We've talked about this on the podcast. I, I don't think it's weird. The new to game smell. The yeah. new game smell, right? Everyone, it's or or for me, who's uh, you know a cardboard crack addict. 
you know, the, the pack fresh yeah, smell yeah. of new Magic the Gathering like, like cards. You're sniffing a fine cigar. Just yeah. Get, yeah. The one the one I would not recommend it for though is if you ever buy any games off someone like the Game Crafter, I would not give those a sniff. Because those are laser cuts. When you open the door the first time, it is stinking of burnt paper. Oh, oh man! You so, you sometimes there's some plastic as well that when uh, it's relatively freshly done and it's been sealed away, when you open it up, it smells like vinegar what? as well. Yeah. Like, but like really bad. So that's not a pleasant. Yeah, it must be like the release agent or something. Yeah, that on it. Uh, so that's not. <laughs> That's not so pleasant. Yeah, but uh, I think I'm, a good I, a good rule book though. See, so yeah, you just get, when you open it for the first time and then you get that <laughs> laugh from the pages, though. That's there. There are a few things better. I always get really paranoid when I have things like new rule books or anything, though, because I always have, I don't I never want to have a crease on the back of it. So I'm always really careful to just open it just enough to see what I need to see. And then I see other people who just get it and slam them open. I'm like, no! I I had lent um, I had lent an old I can't remember. I, I I'm gonna say it was Warhammer Fantasy fifth edition or yeah. sixth edition rulebook. I'd lent it to a friend, and mind those uh, you had back back then. You, you had the sort of matrix for like how to hit mm-hmm. yeah, combat, yeah. like comparing weapon skill. I could still remember that off the top of my head. I think. Well, he had folded the page over. <sighs> You're dead you, to me. You, you, <laughs> you, you psychopath. <laughs> Why, how could you do this? I, I was in an acting class years ago, and we were practicing accents. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that way where when someone asks, go, go, go try an accent, it's difficult to do. So the easiest way to do it a lot of the time is to give someone some reading material. Mm-hmm. I, I happened to be. I, I was going through this phase where I was reading all of the like the um, the British classics. Okay, you know the Penguin classics. Yes, uh, and I had a copy of Peter Pan. All right, in yeah, my bag. really good book, by the way. Uh, not just for kids. Um, I had a copy of that in my bag, so I, I gave it to uh, I gave it to Brian, mm-hmm. uh, who was in the class to read, and he folded the cover <gasps> round the back, and immediately oh. I was like, "Don't do that." Like, but it was too late forever soiled he just, he just started to like i saw him just start to do it and as soon as he did i just yeah yeah so, no and he, and he stopped just just to come back just out of curiosity what accent did you do peter pan in i we were, we were practicing a, a, a couple uh-huh. i think we were i think we were practicing geordie accents that, that is not i'm not i'm not doing a geordie accent before anyone asks no <laughs> don't get me started on accents i love trying them oh but we, we i did... think my welsh one's really good but right get it out then let's hear let's hear let's hear a welsh how would you introduce? How would you introduce me in Welsh? The, no, well, if you don't mind, Callum, I'm going to tell you one of my favourite dad jokes in Welsh. Got it in a Welsh accent, not in Welsh. Welsh Batman turns up to the scene of a crime. Mm-hmm. All right, then, who's this Joker? You see, because his nemesis is the Joker. <laughs> Sorry. At, at least, at least. <laughs> Uh, it's brilliant yeah, you yeah, know it you're gonna make some teenager really embarrassed one day i i look forward to that day scott has heard that joke before i'm sure and um, we'll probably laugh at it again probably laugh at it again yeah yeah, yeah. 
Um, Scott, who when we played Citadels with him for the first time, mm-hmm. uh, introduced every character with a pun. Oh, fantastic! You say that now. I was impressed. It was impressive, but it wore, <laughs> it wore thin pretty quickly. <laughs> It's a bit like when you see a contortionist. It's impressive at first, but the longer you look, it's like, oh, please stop doing that. That's gross. <laughs> how many characters are there in that game? So how 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 many puns was that he had to come up with? Like, did he have them written down on a pun sheet, or was it like off the about, spot? Himself, eight and, just eight like or that. nine, but then there's the expansion as well. But he he, he was he, he was, was he was rattling them off off the top of his head, as far as I know. He, well, did, he did. He started to hesitate a bit as he as he went. Um, because over multiple rounds he was having to do new puns for mm. for the same characters, but um, it, it, it did good. But like, I it think, I think your, your your contortionist analogies. Yeah. I never get bored of contortionists. <laughs> your your arm goes where? What? Yeah. yeah. How do you discover that you're a contortionist? There was a. Do you just do you just push your arm like really uncomfortably until it just goes? I think first like... of all you have to be really bored, <laughs> or you have an accident and it doesn't hurt, and you go, oh. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. You fall down the stairs. Your arms are both like your arms and legs are like in angles that shouldn't be like that, and everyone's around you is horrified, and yeah. you're just like, well, what's the big deal? Oh. Oh, that shouldn't be there. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah, there we go. We're better now. But there was an episode of Keenan and Kel. So in this episode, um, the, the the local radio show had put on a competition to win uh, two tickets for the Chicago Bulls. Right. Because it was the 90s. Aye. And it was in Chicago. So. That was Michael Jordan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There we are. Um, the, the extent of my NBA knowledge right yeah, there. There you go. Um, so... What what the radio station did was they had this competition where all these people had to come in and perform some extraordinary feat. Mm-hmm. So it's like a talent show, and there was there was one girl that was going to fold herself into a pretzel. Okay, wait, um, a pretzel? Yeah, like she was going to fold herself into a pretzel shape. Yeah, but the her her exit to the episode was her like folded up like, with her legs behind her head like a pretzel getting taken to the hospital in a stretcher. Oh, no. <laughs> also, right, just throwing this out here, dumb idea to take contortionism to a radio talent show. Yeah. Listeners at home aren't going, like, what, are the, comment, are, are the hosts supposed to describe how she's, like, bending herself into oblivion? Well, I suppose like, you say that, but then you'll have all the, oh, oh, all the, the horrified reactions to... But that's all you get for the whole, whole thing, just, oh. Oh, oh no! Don't do that! Oh no! No! no. Ah! <laughs> and if you tune in the middle of that, you'll just tune right back out. It's like, what? What is this? Yeah. Just like what? anyone who wasn't really paying attention to the podcast and came back for that. Yeah. Do you know what? They, this we 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 have gone deep on this tangent. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm sure it's worker placement and resource management. There we go. Thank you. Rescued like a true <laughs> professional. Worker placement and resource management and dice combat. Dice combat. And the whole thing when you set it up, straight back in. Uh, when you set it up, it's all modular. So the game there's the game board is actually made up of four pieces. Uh-huh. And these four pieces make up your island, but you can arrange them any way you want as long as you've got that oh. island in the middle. Yeah, and then fantastic. on top of that, there's 41 tiles that get dealt out. They give you like where all the resources are located on the island. 
So there's something like umpteen million possible combinations for the game. And I, I actually asked a friend to try and work out exactly how many different combinations there are, and he just said, say millions. Just say millions. <laughs> That's that, easier. That'll do. But the, I think modular is a, a good word uh, when you're describing a board game these days, isn't it? Well, it's just, yeah. From a replayability point of view, people go, oh, modular. I can play yeah. it again and it'll be different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just it. Not only that as well. It actually makes um, storing what could be quite a large board relatively a lot, a lot straightforward, easier. right? Yep. You know, imagine if Catan was like a fixed island and you had to fold it in two. Yeah. Yeah. Not nice. No. Yeah. <laughs> so, how far along are you with the development of Matora, Callum? It's oh, the rules are done. The rules have been tested to. Timbuktu and back. Like I've mm-hmm. played it up countless times. The only thing that's getting tweaked is some bits of the graphic design for the UI. Yeah. One thing that was useful in Gen Con was for the first time I managed to get my hands on some colorblind playtesters. Yeah, this is something that actually keeps coming up yeah. uh, when we talk to uh, designers. Whenever they talk about playtest, and it's uh, a lot of the more experienced designers will say that. Um, a colorblind playtester is one of the greatest uh, resources you can have. I felt really guilty because one of my playtesters was like a 16-year-old boy when he was like, by the way, I'm colorblind. And usually when you hear that, someone, you're going to go, oh, okay. My reaction was I went, yes! Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me explain. Yeah. Hi, like, just like fist bump. Like, yeah. yes! Because <laughs> something you don't think, like if you're not colorblind, you don't think of it when you start. And no, then... No. When you're a year and a half in, and then one of your friends mentions, oh, I'm a wee bit colorblind, and you go, oh, wait, oh, no. <laughs> oh, this changes everything. <laughs> so, luckily, there's only, I don't think there's, the only thing in my game that uses the just the colors is the color of your meeples. But no one's had a problem with them yet. And good on you for actually, you know, taking that into consideration as well, because I think there's a lot of designers out there who will... Just, I mean, when you're absolutely right. You, you know, when you first start out, it it's not something that immediately occurs. To Certainly, you I think it's something that that people are more aware of now. Yeah. There's accessibility in games, and there's well, there's uh, uh, people like us who are mm-hmm. going to be at uh, Tabletop Scotland uh, next month. Um, he's going to be talking all about accessibility because that's his thing. Mm-hmm. It's um, it's one. Th- it's finding a balance. Like it's definitely a case of finding a balance between. Yeah. Sticking to the design elements you want to have in the game, like the way you want it to function, and making sure as many people as possible can access it easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what what else? Uh, I mean, obviously you were exhibiting at Gen Con, so uh, I imagine that took up the bulk of your time. Did you get a chance to have a look around? And if so, what caught your eye? So I wasn't. I didn't have a stand at Gen Con because I missed. I missed the deadline by a day. And then it was a grand to be in the standby Whoa. queue. Just, just the queue. Sorry, $500 to be in the standby queue and then another 500 at least for your stand if you got in. So that was a bit of a scary one. So instead what I did was I went to the first exposure playtest hall, which mm-hmm. is ran by a company called Double Exposure. And what they do is like designers who are either just at the beginning of their game or people who are showing off something new that hasn't really been seen can go sure. and show their games off there. Um, and the thing that happens is, though, all the players that are there are people who are 
specifically interested in new games and they want mm-hmm. to see what's coming. And you even get, if it's the kind of thing you're interested in, uh, you get a lot of publishers in the first exposure playtest hall who'll have a wee look around and talk to you. And like one guy approached me, and I don't think I can talk about in detail what we ended up discussing, but it's a good place to get approached by people and a good place just to like show your game off to start with. Yeah. So I, was in, I don't know if either of you guys, you know, it was it was on Kickstarter last year, and I think it's Kickstarter, it's second Kickstarter just finished, the Island of El Dorado. Oh, yep. Yep, yep. Yeah, I've heard of that. So yeah. Daniel Aronson, the designer of that, he was in the first Exposure Playtest Hall with El Dorado and its expansion, even though the Kickstarter has just finished. So you had people who, like him, have just run their second Kickstarter that's raised hundreds of thousands of dollars. Mm. The game last year got really good reviews. Um, you got people like him there with it, and then you have people who ha- are like, this is a game we've been working on for the last three months. We just managed to book our slot just in time. And then people like me who are kind of in the middle of like, well, I've been working on this for a lot longer than two months, but I'm not quite at the stage where it's an award-winning game that's already been out for a year. So first exposure is quite a mixed bag then, because I guess El, El Dorado has every right to be there because there, there's a whole retail market that hasn't even seen it yet. Yeah, if anything, I was surprised it was there because because it's already out. I expected those guys to have like a stand, a proper stand where they'd be selling copies as well. But no, yeah. it was just them. T- I think they were fine tuning the rules on that expansion they brought out. Because I looked and there yeah, seemed to be a lot enough. of focus on that. Probably that, and they're probably also looking um, for a distributor to pick it up as well. Possibly. Well, I was going to say, if, if like from what you were saying, Callum, it sounds like you know publishers, distributors, uh, they're all sort of milling yeah. around. Yeah, they'll keep an eye cons, on that. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that that makes sense from that point of view. So was that what all you were doing the entire... Um... No, I did that. I was doing that for about um, quite a bit. I, on the Wednesday, so Wednesday at Gen Con, I don't think... Have either of you guys been before? No, I'd so love to go. Wednesday but, uh... at Gen Con is kind of like an unofficial thing. Anyone can make events mm-hmm. and you'll all get space to host them. Mm-hmm. And so I was running sessions of my game for 14 hours on the Wednesday from oh. 9 a.m. till 11.30. And then the other days I was in... I was in the first exposure hall between like around six hours each day. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. The other time uh, was either shopping for friends because I'd been sent with a wish list. Yeah. Uh, one uh-huh. of my friends. It's standard. Yeah. One of our favorite <laughs> games when we were playing in Korea was Blood Rage. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. a friend of mine was on a quest to get all the Kickstarter exclusives, which you can get okay. at conventions like Gen Con. Yeah, because um, they'll be, you know, private sellers. Just... No, Simon themselves, they sell them. Oh, right. Uh, uh, but the, the way it works is they have a ticket system. So, like, a Kickstarter exclusive, let's say the Mountain Giant from Blood Rage, costs you sure. three tickets. How do you get tickets? By buying games in their shop. So every $25 gets the, you one ticket. The cunning devils. <laughs> so there's people there buying stuff just to get the exclusives. Yeah. Um, wow. So I did some shopping. Uh, some for myself as well. Like I picked up some games I've like uh, some games I've been wanting to get for a while. Like I managed to get. Do you guys know uh, Secret Hitler? Yes. yes. I managed to get like an actual printed proper copy and not just. Well, the... this is what I was going to say. It's all just Chinese bootlegs on the market at the moment. Well, things like the print and play. Like I've played it when people have printed it out themselves. But when you've got the real game on the table, it's just doesn't compare. I got um. If you guys know Super Fight, the party game. That one I'm not so familiar no. with. It's just like, it's a wee silly party game with cards where like, 
it's almost like a cards against humanity thing where you like use your cards to build stats for a superhero and then you argue about who would win in a fight so you might say uh my superhero is a jedi who's 100 feet tall but then someone else gets to play like a negative about them so you might say like oh i have a jedi who's 100 feet tall and then someone will say, but he's got no legs. And then someone else's hero will have like different so, legs. Well, hold on, hold on. Was he 100 feet tall before he lost his legs? Or is See, it... these are the questions that you'd argue. This is what you'd argue about. And that's the game, making the case that right. you know, my guy's better. Um, <laughs> and then they've released a new game, which is the exact same formula, but it's for dating someone. Right. So you have to all make the person that you think would be the most attractive. And then other people get to add a negative. So you could say, uh, you might put down a card that says, uh, my person is super wealthy and they are a swimsuit model. And then someone else might add a card that says, and they are six. And then you'd still have to argue why that was the best person for people to choose to date. It sounds like fog of love without all the bullshit. (laughs) So it, it looks fun. And then other than the shop, I just had to look around at some of the stuff. Like some of the stuff you see there, one thing, not game related, was there was an mm. obscene number of people wearing kilts. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, I don't think there's ever an obscene number of people <laughs> wearing kilts, is there? It's it's always stri- it, oh, <sighs> casual kilts for me. I feel like there's some people who can totally pull it off. Yeah, and a lot of people who can't. When, when yeah. you say casual kilts, are you meaning like Timberlands kilt, rugby top, something like that? I mean, in like. Uh, t-shirt with like some cheeky wee graphic on it your normal shoes and then a kilt no <laughs> that's not your style no no, no. no I, I think you, you can you can wear a kilt in a casual way but there's still a proper way to do it <laughs> my my way my way i described it to people there was like could you wear tuxedo trousers with a t-shirt and they all went no don't be ridiculous and i went well that's kind of the same thing there right if you think you could rock tux trousers with a normal t-shirt then you wear a kilt with a normal t-shirt if you don't think you could maybe don't and they had the have you heard of the utility kilts yeah what's a utility kilt imagine like cargo pants with a kilt so it's a kilt with loads of pockets all over it there's a special but... place in hell for the guy that came up with that <laughs> yeah well you'll bump into him if you go to gen con because he's there every do you know year. what right see the person who wears that i bet they wear crocs as well crocs with the utility <laughs> yeah. kilt i bet they're the kind of they wear crocs and they've constantly got a bluetooth earpiece for their phone in their head even though they're not driving yeah they're just walking about in their crocs and like uh, but but finger to the not, ear no but they're not can, even can you hear me? No, yeah. no no they're not even talking on it they've just got it in in case someone calls them yeah that guy so what you're saying is they're a pragmatic individual who wants to carry a lot <laughs> likes having comfortable feet after a long day at a convention and is always ready in case someone gets wants to get a hold of them. Yeah, if, if you like. That, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I had a look at some... like People were there showing their new releases. I had a look at the... I don't know if you guys are a big fan of the Simon games, but that Cthulhu one they just had on Kickstarter. Oh, how's that look? How, how far are they through that? Like in terms, it did, it, were they showing off the game itself, or is were, it just you could the play the game and they had all the miniatures out, and they had that. Did you see the big controversial statue of Cthulhu? Oh yeah, so yeah. they had that there as well, so you could see how big it was. Did someone, it, what what did, I want to know is it is it solid resin or is no, it hollow? It's not. It's, it's almost like there's bits of it that are solid resin, and there's bits of it that almost have. 
the best comparison I would be would be like a slightly thicker, like it's almost like a basketball feeling. Imagine like an inflated basketball that you can kind of like push it in a little bit because it's not it's oh, on the inside. Weird. Oh, I don't like that. So there's bits of it that are a little bendy as well. Right. Well, that's just awful. <laughs> Has that, that really upset you? Yeah. I think they said it was so it wouldn't weigh like 20 kilos when you're shipping it, and then you'd have to pay like another. That's fair. It's like, oh, we thought of you guys, but really we cheaped out. I, you say cheap out. I think anyone who's willing to buy like a, a, a statuette of Cthulhu uh, for the sake of a game. Not even yeah. for the sake of a full game, for the sake of the last part of a game. Yeah. It's also it's an expansion. It's not even part of the main game. What got me, and like what gets me, is I'm a big sucker for miniatures, and I mm-hmm. I used to be a big Warhammer a big Warhammer guy, and then mm-hmm. when I st- saw games like Blood Rage or Rising Sun, when I was like, oh, I can pay a hundred and fifty dollars, get all these miniatures, no way. So I did that. <laughs> I actually I actually kickstarted Rising Sun. I had no interest in the game. I purely wanted the miniatures <laughs> to play D and D with. We 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 kind of had that experience with the Song of Ice and Fire. Yeah. It, we had fun, we've had fun playing it, but it's just the hundreds of miniatures you get when you kickstart. Really it. pushing that at Gen Con. They oh, had yeah. tournaments. Oh, they had so many demo tables up. Did, I mean, uh, did you get a chance to play it at all yourself? Uh, no, I actually got sucked into. I played in a Blood Rage tournament. Um, hey, nice. How'd you do? How'd you do? Uh, I'm still very salty. Uh, okay. Turns out we'd been playing the game wrong in Korea for two years, so I lost my first game, and then so I played two games because the way they had it, they had four tables. And then so all the people who were first would play in the second game. All the people who were second would play in, in the second game together. And yeah. So I was last in my first game. And then I absolutely stomped everyone in my second game. And I was just nice. so salty about it. Because I was like, oh, if only I'd known. <laughs> oh, well. I mean, you know now. Yes. Uh, I'll never make that mistake again. There we uh, go. So... Uh, anything else that uh, tickled your fancy at Gen Con? Um, some of the stuff that was interesting was just like, I, I, again, my focus, the things that caught my eyes were all the big miniatures games. So I had a yeah. big look at like the Kingdom Death Star. Um, and then you have a look around. And it's just, when you're on the floor, you see so many different things and so many things you think, man, I wish I had the money and or luggage space and or the spare time to do this. <laughs> Like yeah. some of the things you saw there, like you had the—it's not board games, really, but all the medieval weapon replicas. I was like, man, it's so lame, but it would make Halloween so easy. But I guess... you know what I need in my life—a mace. Yeah. <laughs> you know I, I need a Final Fantasy-sized broadsword. <laughs> I can. Uh, they had—they had something I didn't do, which I've heard mixed reviews of. Have you heard a True Dungeon? No. It's like escape room D and D. Okay. It's like so. It's like you're you yourself are a character, but apparently it's been very monetized. Where if you want to play, they're like, "Oh, do you want some gear for going into the dungeon? It only costs you real money." And then there was there was a, a company saying, oh, "Have your face. We'll make miniatures of you by three D scanning your face." And I went and I looked because I thought that's cool. And mm. nah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think I know who you're talking about because they were doing this at UK Games Expo, I'm sure, and they looked shit. <laughs> they really picked maybe. They had pictures of like the sculpts. Now, here's the thing. Digital sculpts can look exactly what you want them to look like. As soon yeah, as you run that through a 3D printer, nah. 
Nah. Yeah, it depends on how good the printer is, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or what you're printing it from as well. Mm. And they were using, what they were using to scan it, They were what they were using to scan people's faces was an Xbox Connect. That's what it was. It was an Xbox Connect they were using we know to scan. How, that, that, we, that we know how famously good. reliable piece of technology. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I've seen them before, and it's like, you get all these different body shapes, but every face is like Slenderman. Is it a bit like mind how uh, for do you remember this for Perfect Dark on the N sixty four they were they pulled it in the end but they were gonna have uh, remember the Game Boy camera that you could buy oh yeah they were gonna have a mode where you could take a photo of your face and put it into Perfect Dark onto a like a character for multiplayer. (laughs) I just I just googled that oh my word (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Uh, listeners at home, Google it. None of the results resemble anything like a human. Yeah. Also, <laughs> but, you probably won't sleep tonight. But, but I mean, in their defence, that was 20 years ago. Yeah. So... Yeah, we've moved on. Come on, up your game. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think that is just about all. I think so. I think so. But Callum, just uh, finally, before we go, if you just want to remind our listeners, where can they find out more about uh, Twisted Bit Games and uh, any projects that you've got coming up? So Motora, like I said, Kickstarter is going to be in October. If you want to find Mm -hmm. out more, I'll get all my plugs in. We are Twisted Bit Games on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Or there's mm-hmm. www.twistedbitgames.com. That's fantastic. Look, and, and you are going to be at Tabletop Scotland I'll be with at our Tabletop bad Scotland with my own booth. Going to have two yeah. tables of the game set up that people can come and play all weekend. Going to have a bunch of uh, Wii collectible things. Going to have some badges. Uh, the way we're going to do the badges is if you want a Wii badge, all you have to do is follow us on something. There you go. Oh, yeah. Very generous. Not in person. And I dare... that, that's stalking. No, that's yeah, definitely not. <laughs> I, I dare say, because Unlucky Frog are the... <clears throat> media official, partners. Official media media part- partners. <laughs> yeah, official media partners for Tabletop Scotland, in case you didn't know. I dare say we will be catching up with Callum and the Twisted Bit crew. Indeed. We we'll, we'll look forward me. to... <laughs> it's just me. No, no, no. Pick sorry, yourself. Sorry, it's, sorry, fine. No. it's fine. Yes, me and all of the, the staff will be there. Yeah. Yes. 100% of the company staff will be present at this convention. <laughs> as well as 100% of the shareholders. <laughs> there we go. Anyway, look, Callum, we look forward to catching you uh, at Tabletop Scotland. And thank you once again for coming on the show this no week. No worries. Glad to uh, have you. And guys... Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Until next time, take care, and we'll uh, catch you then. We are Unlucky Frog Gaming, and I am Ben. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Just search for Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support by giving us money through the Unlucky Frog Patreon. And be sure to check out our website, unluckyfrog.com, to find out more. Thank you.